Hello and welcome to Breaking the Boundary podcast. In this podcast, we're going to be exploring some exciting stories from South Asian millennials and beyond globally, how they're navigating their world, going outside the conventional norms, and of course, breaking boundaries in their life. So before diving into this episode, I just wanted to note that this episode is really close to my heart and this conversation is something that I wish I heard when I first found out I had PCOS or polycystic ovary syndrome. So we talk through so many real life issues with polycystic ovaries. What is polycystic ovaries? How you can manage it and even go into topics such as dating with polycystic ovaries and the intersectionality of being South Asian with polycystic ovaries, which is a conversation I haven't heard at all really on any media platform. Chita is such a positive force and she's currently my health coach as well and I have been seeing amazing changes after having met her. So I really wish that this podcast gives you some guidance and makes you feel more seen, more heard and more understood after listening. And a quick side note, you may hear some rumbling noises throughout the episode but that's Cheetah's lovely cute dog Lola so don't be alarmed. Okay on to the episode. I would like to introduce our guest, who is really incredible. Cheetah is someone who challenged the norms of South Asian society. She transformed from a dentist to an online coach, and her mission is to empower women to become the best and most confident version of themselves, all while managing their hormones effectively. Cheetah also brings a wealth of knowledge to the table as she is pre- and postnatal qualified, a certified sleep coach, and has invested a significant amount of time and effort into researching PCOS or polycystic ovary syndrome. So welcome. Thanks, Maria. <laughs> Thank you. So nice to be on. It's so cool. <laughs> yeah, I'm so happy to have you on the podcast and really want to dive into your story and just learn more about what it's like, like that transition to the career and everything. Awesome. I'll let you lead. <laughs> cool. Well, we'll start off with a rapid fire round just to get things moving a bit. So yeah, I'll ask you five random questions and then just pick the first thing that comes to your head. Not nervous at all <laughs> with this rapid fire. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Don't worry. It's fine. So are you ready? <laughs> yeah, let's go for it. Cool. What is your favorite carb? Bread, pasta, rice, or potatoes? Ooh, pasta every day. <laughs> Could eat that for for ages. Yeah. And then, who inspires you? Oh, that's a good question. Uh, that's any cheesy. Like, could I say two people? That's cool. So it's actually both of my sisters. I find they're like they're really inspiring. So I'm like the youngest out of three of us, and I always look up to them, and I'm like wowed by everything that they achieve. So I guess they're like my role models and inspiration. Without sounding a bit. Oh, that, that's yeah. really nice. So the next rapid fire question is: What is your morning routine must do? It's actually getting up and not going on my phone for a couple of hours. It's actually just getting up and just having like a moment to reflect on my day and just enjoying life. So being present for a few minutes and then I kind of get on with my day and then stroking my dog. <laughs> so. I love that. Uh, final question I would say is, are you an early bird or night owl? So I force myself to be an early bird, but I'm naturally a night owl. <laughs> So it's hard, like, waking up Same. so hard. Like, on a, I could easily go to bed at like two or three would be naturally and then wake up at like eight or nine. But I force myself to like, well, now it's my normal habit, but go to bed around 10, 10, 15, and then wake up for around like five. 
just so I can get everything done that I have to get done. Wow. So. Well, at least I know it's possible because I'm still working towards that. <laughs> yeah, definitely. It did take me a while. I'm not going to lie. And it's like just practice, practice, practice. Great. Well, that is a good little nice warm up for the rapid fire round. I wanted to just hear more about your story and how did you come to be from like a dentist to a health coach? Yeah. So um, obviously, like I kind of felt being South Asian, you know, like when you're picking your choices at school of like what to do. And I remember I really wanted to do um, something in like business or, or like that kind of thing. So I remember like saying to my parents, I want to pick like maths, Spanish, um, things like history and something else for like my A-levels. And they were like, no, <laughs> like what do you mean but I really want to really want to like travel the world I, I just want to like learn a language and like really interested in history and they were just like well what are you going to do with that when you're older and I was like I don't know like I'll make it work um, and then they're like no why don't you do maths science uh economics if you want to try and get into the business side of things and I was like oh okay so uh because my older sister's a dentist I thought okay she kind of makes it look fun within reason so um I'll, I'll do the the same and then I realized it wasn't really for me so obviously I, I'm still a dentist and I do enjoy it but I feel like it's not what I was put on the earth to do if that makes sense um just it's super super stressful there's always like drama in like the dental world which no one would know about and I think just one day I was like I don't get fulfilled by doing this five days a week um, and I had my own journey of like losing weight and being able to manage my my PCOS and I thought how amazing would it be if I could help other people kind of go through this journey so yeah it was a bit scary because obviously I wasn't sure like how family would take it how my husband would take it um but then went for it and never looked back <laughs> wow no, that's really great and I feel like there's also a lot to unpack there that I'm really excited to talk to you about just because uh, a lot of people actually don't know what polycystic ovary syndrome is so I was wondering could you just give an introduction to what it is because I have it and you have it and I feel it affects a lot of South Asians in particular and minorities as well. Yeah, it's a surprisingly common. So actually one in 10 ladies have it, but not everyone knows they they have it. Um, That's crazy. I know, because if you think about when you're walking around the street or you're going shopping, like, and it sounds really lame, but I'll, I'll actually be looking around and I'm like, so many people have it and they just don't know because a lot of the time I think we can I guess like put labels on things and think oh I'm this because of that or that because of this and even like with with PCOS like I thought I was overweight because of it and then it once you start to understand the condition you realize you can manage it but it you just need to have the right information so uh what it essentially is so uh polycystic ovarian syndrome and what a lot of people think is that you've actually got cysts on your ovaries but what it actually is it's like fluid uh, filled follicles on your ovaries so they're not actually classed as a cyst but I guess they have to name it something um, and it basically means that people can generally find it harder to conceive to have children um, generally women may not have like a regular period um, it could be irregular it could be every few months once a year the flow can be like really heavy really intense and then there are like so many other signs and symptoms associated with it so either you can have excess hair growth so that's something I massively like struggled with and um, you can have acne low mood feel a bit quite down um alopecia can lose a lot of hair in certain areas um a whole load of things even like brain fog just feeling like not really with it and a lot of the time like we may not realize that there's a condition and a reason behind why we feel like that it really used to control my life a lot 
I would say, um, which is why I really want to help as many people be free of it kind of thing as, as possible. And a lot of South Asians do have it. And actually from research, I've I realized it's to do with the diet that we're brought up on. So typically we do end up having a lot more carbs and things like that. And then that actually makes our body react in a certain way. So it actually can spike our blood glucose levels up and insulin resistance. And then that's actually what triggers the condition more, which is why we tend to have it more than like if you're not South Asian. Although I feel like it's a bit of a taboo subject. So people may not even say they have it, which is always interesting as well. Oh, wow. That was another point I didn't even consider. Like there's one element where people don't know if they have it and then other people don't really say they have it. And for me personally, like I haven't, I don't specifically like tell people, oh, I have polycystic ovary syndrome because you don't really know how to bring it up in conversation. So it is just like, how do you randomly say it, you know? (laughs) Yeah. And it is a bit awkward because I I don't know about you, but I remember feeling like I had to sometimes tell people, like if I was a bit conscious about like, if I may have had like hair on my face, like, you know, like obviously I'd like to hope I was de-haired as much as possible, but there were the odd days where maybe I did have some odd bits and I'd be like oh it's because I've got like PCOS and then someone would be like oh what is that then you open a whole can of worms and then they just look at you like (laughs) what's up with you and then you're just like okay so we'll just pretend that conversation didn't happen and it was like just really awkward and I remember like once I had like some friends staying over so like when we used to train to be um like a dentist we'd have like a weekly social after our training and I remember like um so I was like single like not with anyone and one of my friends was like oh you're taking the pill and then just assumed like all sorts of things and I was like oh no because I've got PCOS I have to take the pill to help regulate my hormone Um, and it was just really interesting like the first thing people would think of is something very different and then it was just like you just felt like you always had to like justify yourself for certain things and I was like it's only with someone with PCOS would know the struggles of it I feel yeah and sometimes it can be like tiring to have to like explain have to keep explaining so sometimes I just prefer to not I just kind of deal with it by myself and like everyone has a different way of dealing with it it's like there's no right or wrong way but just having like a community of people that understand you I think is is so important for like things like that because for a long time in my life as well I just didn't like I knew I had it from the doctors but I didn't acknowledge that I had it like I just acted and carried on normal I just kept eating the same way kept exercising the same way hoping things would change but it was kind of like this denial stage yeah and also like when they diagnose someone with PCOS it's really not very helpful like so many people when I've heard about their stories and I just remember like the the three main things like the, the GP said was basically what he implied or what my understanding at the age of 16 was that I was always going to be overweight I was going to be depressed and I couldn't have kids like that was what the outcome of that conversation was and I was like at 16 it's quite hard to take that information on board and then there was no follow-up or help of how to manage that which I thought was really hard as well yeah it's awful because like I when I went to the doctors they obviously say the first thing is go on the pill and I went on it for a bit but it just didn't sit right with me I didn't feel right taking the pill and it does work for some people and that's great but for me specifically I really wanted to just focus on like holistic ways to manage it because do do you feel like with a pill like how I see is that just trying to put like a plaster on the problem so it's not getting to the root of the issue the pill has so many side effects like you know when they give you that little book like which comes with it and then like, a little book with a lot of symptoms yeah. and like it's literally like I think it's like I counted it once it was like 76 pages of like symptoms and one of them was even like you can die and I was like 
they don't tell you this when they just they're just like oh go on the pill and you're just like oh yeah I'll take it the doctor said it and then one day when you're just a bit bored and you rethrow it you're like whoa okay this is it's more serious than like what you realize <laughs> like taking this little pill it's crazy and I guess to add on to that I wondered if you could share a bit more about your personal journey like growing up yeah. with polycystic ovary syndrome and how it's how it's shaped your path now like as a women's health coach yeah um so because I was like diagnosed quite young, I guess I was like maybe 15 or 16. Um, so it was actually my beautician who basically just said I was really hairy. She'd never seen so much hair on someone. So she was like, you should maybe get this like diagnosed. Um, yeah. And it was just really, really tough because with PCOS, you kind of get hair in like the places you do. It's not like actually on your head. You get it like on your face. Like, so it literally be like everywhere and there's I was having to like get it removed every like two to three days so it just had like a massive impact on like my life if if someone last minute wanted to like go out I'd have to have been like oh god like can I go out like I'm okay <laughs> like it, it really just used to play a massive part on me and like I think I used to use it as a bit of an excuse maybe not to lose weight so I'd maybe like go to the gym or I'd eat well and then I may not see progress but really it was like because I had like a few cheat days and stuff like that so um I know like everyone that I work with they they know that there's some words that if you just use it's like a trigger in my head and that's because in my journey they were words that I would have used but then I've had to now like disassociate from them so I think once even you may have said something about like a cheat meal and I think I may have just gone off on one and I was like never use that word in front of me like you're just not allowed (laughs) we make this a lifestyle and I think it's more because it's a mindset thing and I think the moment we see something as like a cheat meal we just think oh we can go off track temporarily to go on track but with the coaching side of things I like to just hope we can have these things it's like just balancing it all out and then I think that's what helps keep the progress and because even like you know how last week you you made that cheesecake and I was like yeah this is what like like to me that was just so cool just seeing how you made it fit around what worked yeah so I made like a healthy I made like a healthy deconstructed cheesecake but it still had all the elements of it so yeah and you still felt satisfied didn't you with it so yeah but back to yourself. Sorry, and yeah, your... <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh, I love to do that, Ria. The coach, yeah. the yeah. coach mode is on, but we're back to no work mode. Yes, yes, sorry. Um, yes, I actually really struggled having it, in all fairness. Um, and I found, especially like being a dentist, when you're really, really close to patients, so all they can basically see is like underneath, they can see your arms. So like the things that would have a lot of hair and stuff like that and also like my period was really irregular so I used to maybe get it like every three or four months but when I had it it was so bad that I'd actually I fainted a couple of times because it was like it was in so much pain from it and like I'd I'd hired different online coaches different personal trainers you know when they all say they can help you and you really trust them and you're like okay if they if they say it I'm gonna pay whatever it takes to solve this and then they just don't really know what to do especially if they're male because back in that day like 10 years ago it was mainly more like male people in the industry and yeah I know obviously they're not going to know what it's like, but I just felt like I was a bit cheated when they'd say, oh, I can help you. Then they were like clueless with it, if that makes sense. That's what like made me like do lots of research, speak to like endocrinologists, speak to lots of different doctors. And again, I still really wasn't getting the solution that I needed. So I realized actually the importance of food, knowing about what foods can aggravate it. And so I even went like dairy free, gluten free, which being vegetarian, it meant you couldn't really eat much it was actually quite depressing uh it didn't it helped temporarily but the moment I went out or had a pizza or something it 
it just didn't really work. Um, and then workout wise, I was always just so confused. I just so much misinformation out there. I just didn't know what worked, what didn't. And I guess like most people, um, you don't really follow through anything long enough because there's always so much new information just being like shot at you. So you just try and try it all and then nothing works because you're just trying everything. Yeah. And it, it's just so hard. So that's why I like to hope like my approach as a coach, it does actually like depend on each person because how one person may react may be different. And what I just love, like when I work with everyone is like making sure that everyone's periods are regular, like our moods are, are more balanced and we see progress. We can like lose weight while eating out and socializing and actually having a life and not feeling like you're in prison because you've got PCOS, which sounds quite awful to say, but I think that's probably how I felt on some occasions. Yeah. All of you, all of what you're saying is so relatable, like to me as well, especially the part about feeling overwhelmed because there's so many different information sources out there. And like before I found you as a coach, like I was obviously on, I was just looking everywhere and all different social media outlets. So TikTok is a big one. And I know TikTok has a lot of misinformation, but then it also has like those hidden quality gems that you kind of have to sift through like the trash to get to. So it is really overwhelming because then you see one post where it's like, oh, these things uh, balance your hormones. And then there's like another post where it's like, don't take these things. And then it is crazy. And it is information overload as everyone, you don't know who to trust online, especially like you don't know, like half of these people giving advice aren't even certified or like really it's just what works for them might not work for you so it is like really difficult and having that kind of personalized advice is is helpful and something that I wish I did sooner but I'm still glad I'm doing it now and then another point is like just talking about the whole online coach thing I feel like the word online coach has such a like this connotation to it yeah (laughs) It's, it's a weird one isn't it because there's so many online coaches out there right and it's um even like saying I'm an online coach I do feel a little bit cringe because I do kind of feel like what I do is it's quite like detailed it's quite in depth but if you were to say I'm an online coach and then you put me next to like 10 different ones we're all just really really different right and it's like and I think it's just like I think how I wish there was another word for it but what I'd love for for it to basically explain is like how the way I tend to approach it is like it's really personalized really individual for, for everyone and I like to hope like and hopefully you'll see like from when we had like that event like I get to know everyone really well so it's yeah. not just like I don't want to work with hundreds of people if I know I can't help them I want to work with like the select few that I'll be like I want to change your life and I want to be that person to do it which I know sometimes I think someone the other day said like sounds a little bit selfish that I like I wanted to be like that person and I was like but that's what fulfills me knowing that is like my methodology my concept and if it works then why not go for it right like yeah especially for PCOS um there's been there are so many who say they're an online coach but I think that they're it's a very generalized approach and I feel like as you said as well it may have worked for them but it may not necessarily work for someone else. And I think a lot of it's actually to do with mindset, because if someone's given something to follow, some people will follow it, some people won't. So you've got to get that little bit deeper and really actually understand what that person's thinking of how to get them to understand it or to see actually, is there another 
way if that doesn't work for them kind of thing as well so yeah and I guess with online coaching it's like you don't know who to trust online again with it where that comes into it and also like making new habits is really hard so you kind of need someone who understands you as a person because everyone like we said is just so different but yeah yeah I think that's the thing like a, a lot of like online coaches are kind of give like the same method the same everything for everyone and I think it's fine if you're attracting a robot and you're attracting the same of everyone (laughs) that's fine it works uh but also I get a lot of people who have worked with other online coaches so I'll hear like how their experience have been um and I'm just like just just so shocked by a lot of the stories and I'll be like how could they have asked you to try and hit like 20,000 steps a day when you're a mum you've got three kids you're working like nine till six and they'll be like well they just told me I didn't want my goal enough if I didn't do it and I was like yeah really like isn't that just being a little bit insensitive and like why don't we become human again and just think what yeah realistic and life's too short to spend time on the wrong things I think as well so yeah completely agree Another thing I wanted to touch on is like talking about, I guess, you know, in South Asian culture, there is a big emphasis on like body image. So I was wondering how has this like influenced your own experience with polycystic ovaries and your approach to also helping others navigate body image issues? That's a really good question. Um, Because I especially find like with like Bollywood movies and stuff, if you think about all the actresses and everyone like who's on the on the big screen, like they always look their best right and obviously it's their job so I appreciate that but I do feel like being South Asian and like the type of clothes that we wear to like weddings and things like that they tend to be quite revealing but I tend to find like like a typical South Asian diet can't let you have that body if like I just feel like it's really mismatched information so even I remember like looking up like what um I I can't remember which Bollywood actress it was like what their typical diet was for a day and it was literally there was no Indian food in it and it was just like wow it's really misleading because you know when you're just thinking well you're portraying a certain image all these people like love you respect you you're on that big screen millions of people are watching you And then you're kind of like not even in line with your identity of being South Asian because you're not really eating the foods that we're brought up to eat. And then you're kind of making out like it's really easy to have that body. Like, but really they've got like probably a personal trainer. They've probably got someone who makes their food. And I I just know like, especially like going to India to like buy clothes and things, it's just awful you know when they're just like especially when I was like a different size it would just be like they're like oh it's a one size fits all outfit and you're like this doesn't yeah. fit me it's not a one size fits all and then you feel really awful and they're like oh yeah we, we can make it bigger and they do all these actions and you're just like really like like and then they're like oh do you want a sandwich for lunch and I'm like well like it's just your mind goes on overdrive and you're like none of this makes any sense and I just feel like growing up like always seeing those bodies it did feel quite hard and you'd feel like you weren't like good enough to kind of wear those outfits because it just didn't look the same as it would on someone else. And Indian outfits are expensive. Yeah. So it's like, you know, when you buy one, you want to wear it, you want to feel good in it. And I don't know, I just also find like in our culture and our community, like when we go to an event, for some reason, that seems to be like one of the first things that people will comment on is like weight or how we look or I don't know. Have you like, what would you say about 
there. I don't know if that's just me. Maybe I just target those people. No, definitely. You definitely have the odd auntie being like, oh, you've lost so much weight. Oh, you've gained weight. It's the typical aunties, <laughs> the Indian aunties. Yeah, like the first thing that they'll say. Um, and I think that puts a lot of pressure on us as well, because you just know you're going to go to an event. Someone's going to say something and it's like, like there's not been enough anxiety before about what to wear and, and things like that. Then on the day to have that kind of stuff, I think it's just quite tough kind of thing as well yeah so how do you approach that with your clients like if they are dealing with body image issues what kind of would you say to them well I'd actually just like have that kind of frank chat to be like well how do you you feel about your body like and if I I do appreciate so when I was a different size like I know I wasn't very happy in that but I know I was happy to put the work in to kind of get where I wanted to be without it having an impact on like my life and that being the the be all and end all but then I also think it's it's fine like if if someone is a different size and they're happy in it like embrace it enjoy it like just be proud of like where you're at but I think if we're someone who will try and get somewhere but then we're not trying to put that work into somewhere that's when there's like a we're not basically in line and then I think that's when it can have a bit more of an issue on us mentally versus doing the work to get there or being happy where you are I think we've sometimes just got to be really aware of what we're happy with and then just going for it and flaunting what we're happy with yeah it makes sense it's like being realistic and being honest with who you like how happy you are yeah because I think there's an element for me it's like oh you can be happy at one size but then there's the element of where what external society tells you like they will say that's not the ideal body type but then seeing if you're happy in it and you feel confident is the is the main thing right but then there's also the element we have to consider that am I actually happy or is it am I just lying to myself yeah yeah exactly and I think a lot of the time like I find like journaling and stuff like that can really help because sometimes like there'll be some people who may be chasing like a certain body type or body shape and when they get there they're still not happy and then that's when you're like actually I don't think it's a physical thing I think you may need to do a bit of work on yourself to actually love yourself as a person to feel happy in yourself versus thinking that you're chasing the physical happiness and then when you get there you're still not happy because I've I've had that with some ladies and they'll literally get to a point where they're like super shredded I've got them like to a six pack because that's what they wanted and then then they're still like oh but I'm still not happy and I'm like but look at where you came from, look at the hard work you put in. And then actually, when I dive in a bit deeper, I realise that maybe like family life isn't where they want it to be, or their work or their relationship isn't where they want it to be. And then I'll be like, okay, well, why don't you can either maybe work with someone who can help you on that side of things. Because I think once that's resolved, you would have probably actually been happier even like a different size up kind of thing as well. So I find that's why with coaching, it's like it unlocks a lot of different things and some things we won't even be aware of till you like get into your journey wow and that's crazy because that just shows like coaching isn't just about the health and fitness because it's part of your life isn't it so it's essentially just relating to all the other aspects of life and that isn't really true point because I have friends as well who've told me I mean well they've said they've lost so much weight but they still feel the same so it is sometimes just that mental block as well yeah and sometimes it's like how we see ourselves isn't how other people see ourselves so it's just like having that confidence kind of thing about about us ourselves um because I know I think I'd actually got there where, where I was a smaller size and I still kept chasing for more and 
I think I just realized I was like wait what am I actually like what will I achieve by being a size four like am I happy doing this so that I've got to now not eat out as much as I want and stuff like that and then give up on the moments that I would want to enjoy with like friends and family and I'd be like actually I'm really content being a size eight because I can still do what I want and I'm truly at my happiest like in that body but I know other people may look at me and think oh well you could be smaller or you could be leaner but that wouldn't work for me because then I want to enjoy life and like eating out and going on holiday and to be a certain size of a certain way you do have to sacrifice certain things so it's just yeah having that awareness and I think people will always judge us won't they but as long as we're okay with ourselves then it doesn't matter what people say exactly and that's why like self-awareness is so important because it's I don't know how to explain it but it's like sometimes you think you're okay but then the whole world wants to show you that you need to change like through just the trickling in of advertisements social media that just influences and like impresses upon your like subconscious mind on a daily basis so it's like having to constantly evaluate and kind of go against those beliefs so it is like that uphill battle but it is worth it and also because it's like constantly in our face as well um but I think like one thing that I've done a lot more of is like unfollow a lot of accounts that I think possibly used to make me not feel the best about myself let's say so I now know that if I don't look at that and I can look at things that are like more empowering or more like mindset things I then luckily the algorithms work in a way that I then see more of that stuff and then I'm cool and then I'm happy but if I if the other stuff slips in I'm like oh okay maybe maybe I could do with trimming up a bit more or doing this or doing that but but then it's like Same. realizing wait how has this happened how has this thought changed this thought wasn't there this morning and then it's having that awareness as as well yeah same I'm very careful with who I follow like on social media I follow people that look like me or have different ethnicities and backgrounds so it does help yeah another thing I wanted to touch on that's been on my mind actually it could be an interesting conversation because I haven't heard about many people talk about this in with regards to polycystic ovaries but how do you think when dealing with your clients or just from your own experience as well like polycystic ovaries affects dating and also you know marriage and family planning just like how from your experience does that all wrap up together that's a really um interesting question because I think it it does have to come up like when you're in a relationship with someone because but then it's like when when do you bring it up right because it's opening up that whole whole can of worms yeah and I think as well I don't know if this is a bit too much information but like when you are dating and if you if it's not managed and you've got like hair that you always have to like keep getting rid of like trying to like make someone just aware that this isn't like how you wake up on a daily so not in like a way to be like oh you spent hours and stuff like that just, just like having that awareness that like some time does have to go into being groomed to look a certain way. But I think it is really important to like have that discussion, especially like if it's someone that you want to marry, because it will have an impact on like when you have children, what kind of things you then need to do before as well. Um, and a lot of the time, like, you know, if someone doesn't want kids and that's fine, but then just having that chat that in the future, if you may not want them now, but even thinking about like maybe freeze, like as a lady, like freezing your eggs. So then you've got that opportunity when you're later. But then again, like because a lot of people get married a lot later. So a lot of like clients that I work with, I'll actually 
on like sometimes on when I have a call with them, I'll be like, well, have you thought about kids? Are you with someone? Are you in a relationship? Because then on my point of view, I've got to think how quickly do I have to get these hormones managed? And sometimes like someone may have a cutoff because on like the NHS, for example, they can give you IVF if you're like below a certain age, but after that, you then have to pay for it. Or they'll say, if you're a certain weight, we're not even going to try because it's just not going to work. For me, it's important that I, I have that chat with everyone I work with, but also if anyone in a relationship I think it's really important to make your partner aware that it's not like one day you're just going to be like oh we want kids and then the next week you're pregnant it's there's a lot more prep work when it comes down to it and what's been really awkward for me sometimes is a lot of my clients will not have it on their cards they would have had like really irregular periods we've got them to like having a regular period and I know it sounds really bad to say like I would have had that conversation at the beginning of their journey but like six months down the line because my focus just becomes on them and getting everything sorted. Um, I'll get that message to be like, I'm pregnant. And I'll be like, oh, cool. And then I'll be like, you guys weren't ready for that yet, were you? And they're like, well, we thought we would have taken a bit longer because of the PCMS and like stuff like that. And I'll be like, okay, so I probably, like, I know we had this chat at the beginning. I do need to maybe make it more aware, like, as, as we go on. Um, and it's it's really nice, though, for me. But, you know, when I'm like, oh, my God, it just shows, like, the power of hormones and then actually just having that good relationship with your partner so they've got that awareness because not in a horrible way and guys shouldn't aren't expected to know but they won't know a lot about like how long things can take and actually can there be something like with like on the women's side that um needs to be managed but also a lot of the time I feel like men get an easy ride but they also need to be healthy for fertility to kind of work well because I know a lot of ladies like when I've worked with them they'll say that they've got everything checked there's like maybe their testosterone's a bit high and I can work on that and then I'll be like out of interest has your husband been checked and they'll be like no like we were just told it would be me and I'm like do you mind just getting them to get a blood test done because men actually have got their testosterone levels are getting lower as the years are going on because of stress because of lifestyle because of diet eating out um even like to get a sperm analysis I'll sometimes like recommend for some people and they'll be like oh my god it there was actually something that got flagged up and I'm like yeah a lot of the time like everyone just blames the woman from like the start yeah but it that's takes so true <laughs> like it's like we've got to look at at both um so now again like from just being more aware of it I'll always kind of like push that if, if that's someone's goal like because sometimes people will come to me for that that to be their goal but I think it's you know you've got the right person if you can be open about that you've got PCOS and, and stuff like that and just be aware that they're not gonna react in like a bit like to be like oh that's amazing let's have a party it'll be like okay that's cool and then it's like let's not talk about this again and then it's like you know what I mean but it's like it's you sort of have to have those uncomfortable conversations right to because also like it can have an impact on our mood on sometimes so I think I was saying to you actually like there'll be some bits of the year where I may eat more indulgent foods or I may like drink a bit more but then that has an impact on my following period so like with Arjuna I will have to kind of make him aware to be like I may be a bit more emotional on this month because I've been lucky that so far everything's fine and you won't know if I'm on or if I'm not but when my food's not been in line with what it should be that will have an impact on how I react and if I do just randomly cry it's not it, you may have actually not done anything it may actually just be my hormones and you've got wow. to understand that like you've got to know it's I can't control that like I can't it's not an on or off switch it's what it is I can only manage it as best as I can but there'll be the odd few times in a year where they they take control of me basically so it, yeah it's like understanding how your body works and just yeah. communicating that as well and it's so true like 
it's always saying, you know, with fertility, all the women should be checked first. But uh, this is a random question. It might be stupid, but <laughs> if the woman has more testosterone and then the men has less testosterone, well, the woman, because polycystic ovary tends to increase testosterone levels in women, then does that balance out? not a stupid question um so it won't balance out because if the testosterone is higher it means that the follicles on the cysts are probably getting bigger because of the testosterone so what that means is like when the egg has to like go through it will be like a harder journey and then for a guy it means their sperm won't be as like fast and active so then it's harder for it to get to the egg so actually if testosterone is like imbalanced in both oh, it's okay. like a, a nightmare because you've got an egg who which is going to struggle sperm struggling so I'd always just say like get that if you're trying and that's going on uh, you won't get very far so you may as well try and balance that out first and then try wow it is really interesting though how our bodies just having just just slightly differing amounts of certain you know hormones in our body can just change our whole function it is crazy yeah. how our body works but it is yeah. super interesting as well and that's why like even with like a blood test or something we always have to remember it's like a snapshot of that moment they took your blood so I know a lot of the time like people will can like quite easily compare back to like oh my blood test from six months ago and I'm like dude your whole life's changed in six months like <laughs> we can't we can't like relay it back on that so it's it's just again like having just that awareness and I think also like I think what I think England isn't very good at is doing like annual blood checks and stuff like that because obviously the NHS has to fund it so I think I'd always like encourage everyone just to every year just get everything like just checked just to make sure that things are going in the right direction because a lot of the time like if we're tired or we're feeling a bit low it could be because we've actually got a deficiency somewhere or it may mm. not be that we're stressed from work it could actually be something in our body that's making us feel like that um, but they're not also using it as an excuse to be like oh well my vitamin d is low and then no one does anything about it it's like no then then work to get that level yeah that's a really good point moving on we touched upon the fact that polycystic ovaries you know affects women of many diverse backgrounds so I'm curious about if you could discuss any sort of unique challenges or insights that you've encountered in addressing you know polycystic ovaries within the South Asian community specifically yeah um good question because i find like in the south asian community as well like so say for example i've had like quite a few ladies who have had pcos and obviously they've struggled like conceiving or, or having kids and stuff like that but they they tend to shy away from that being like one of the main reasons why they'll want to work with me and then again like when i dig a bit deeper they'll be like oh actually like we've been trying for years and it's been like really tough and then what's for me is amazing is like when they send me that photo of them and like and they're pregnant and it's just like so empowering yeah. I think again like to have that conversation openly with someone for like someone to say oh do you know what I've been trying for years and, and a doctor will kind of just say I'll oh, try IVF or things like that when really I'm like if we can just sort your hormones out which we can do with like food and exercise you'll be fine but I do feel like a lot of ladies will kind of shy away from really saying how they feel with their condition. So I hopefully like you'll know, like if, if anyone ever like feels down, I'll be like, just tell me there's never any judgment. Cause I've been there. I've been there where it's yeah. like, you'd have no idea why you fall down or you just randomly cry and you're just like, why is this happening? And it's just like having that openness and not feeling like embarrassed if that happens and also just realizing that as women it's it is a hormone thing but the more we can like learn to manage it the more we can 
kind of leave that behind if, if needed and then we can like use that energy in the in the right way but I've, for me I've kind of felt with like a lot of ladies who have approached me they just feel quite embarrassed about the fertility side of things and I think people should be a lot more open with it like it's it's not easy like uh, you know if you think about the stress levels nowadays that that women encounter and generally like if people are focusing on their career then they may start a little bit later and then not realize that actually that the impact that has and things like that so I think that's been like a, a massive thing and then just reassuring everyone that it, it's a safe space if you ever say it to me or never go anywhere but then ha- hopefully just have that own support network of friends and family that you can also reach out to and uh, if they're true friends I'd like to hope no one would ever judge you or they'd just be there to support you really wouldn't they so yeah that's an interesting point especially about like not addressing their true needs because that sometimes can be you know in the undercurrent of South Asian culture wanting to just get on with it not deal with the main issue and just kind of put other people's needs before your own yeah and I think especially like with the South Asian culture, like if you think about how we're brought up and even if like think about food and stuff like that, like food is such a big part of like a social event and stuff like that. And like, you know how it's the whole thing that like food is showing love and stuff like that. And I know like a lot of ladies will, will feel a bit like awkward, for example, like going to someone's house and maybe not having as much food as they normally do. And it's kind of like, I feel sometimes there'll be some people who live like a bit of a double life. So in front of others, they want to try and still be their old selves. But we know if you still stay like that, then it will have an impact on progress and then it will have an impact on how quickly like hormones can basically balance out. So it's actually just saying if someone's okay to just to say, well, I am on a journey. I'm really trying to balance things out. I really want to improve my health, my fitness, and then having that confidence to say it. And fair enough. Yeah. People will judge, but they're not feeling affected by the judgment as well. Yeah, that definitely is relatable because since I've joined like on this health coach journey and, and when I'm trying to prioritize my health, when I put it at the forefront, it's like I'm almost changing my identity. I used to be more of a, like going out and I still do go out, like don't get me wrong, but I used to prioritize having fun more than my health. And now it's kind of switched. I'm literally putting my health first and like fun second. And it's interesting because some people just see you as the old version of you that prioritizes going out, having fun. So I really actually like the fact that when you prioritize health, you just feel so much more like, I don't know, grounded and secure in yourself. But again, making that shift is an interesting place. Yeah. And it's not easy. I'll be honest as well. And I think um, what's really good actually what you mentioned as well like you know how you were saying like you would associate having fun with like going out so sometimes it's then finding like the new identity of having fun in a in a different way that may not necessarily be around like food and and drinks and stuff because I know like when I used to meet up with my friends like when I was on this journey and not doing as well as I could have it would still be like oh yeah let's go out for afternoon tea on Saturday and Sunday and oh Monday night I'll go out and then Wednesday let's go to this place as new restaurants opened because I loved food I'd love exploring new places and now actually what's really cool is I'd be like okay well if there's somewhere I want to check out I'm going to like add it into my calendar I'm going to really enjoy it not feel guilty about it but then I'm going to make sure that the rest of my week kind of goes okay and then it's still balanced and then you still have fun so it's also just like enjoying the most moment with people more than enjoying the food which you still enjoy but it's the priorities are different you're prioritizing the connection with someone versus the meal itself I don't yeah yeah but it it takes a while it's not an easy transition to make 
yeah I think that is a really interesting and like important shift because I just feel like also being in London the main thing that you do when you meet friends is go out for drinks go out for food and that's why being brought up here even though there is an element where people are health conscious I feel like more of the element is is placed on drinking and going out and doing the most and having the most fun and you know there's so many different events and they all kind of a lot of them center around bottomless drinks you know bottomless brunch and that's why it doesn't really promote that healthy culture just being in London specifically as well yeah but I think one thing that I kind of something that really clicked with me was um I think someone like because I used to quite enjoy these bottomless brunches and I think someone was like well do you feel like you need to have those drinks to have fun and I was like well no not really but it it is fun if if you have it and then it kind of again like made me just reflect on me a little bit more and then think well actually what I do enjoy is like having like a, a chat with someone getting to know someone on a deeper level or maybe doing an activity where you get to spark a different element of the brain kind of thing um and it's so interesting like when you realize that changes the friendship can be a little bit deeper than it it was when it was just food and, and drinks so um yeah it's a weird one yeah and like it's also just being aware of what society tells you is fun yeah as opposed to what you actually enjoy because when you reflect you might actually realize oh I actually prefer like going on a long walk in nature having a dmc or you know it's a deep meaningful conversation with my friends and that there's no space to just do that like in london i mean there's not it's not like they've made a place for you to have you know what i mean just specifically yes I know. yeah it's really hard isn't it because i think like if there was a lot more like cool places to walk around like it would just make life a little bit easier but it's kind of like all these obstacles get put up and then it's like we've got to like bash them all down to then like even if you think about like cavemen and stuff like how what we're supposed to really be and then what we've evolved to it's so so different and it's just like just really interesting like to see that transition of what we're becoming as a society and it is literally to to drink a lot to eat a lot to not be active you can just get food delivered to your door I'm sure one day we'll even be able to think and the food will just arrive and if you think about like in England as well like all the delivery Uber Eats like they're never good food choices but other countries like when I go on like a course in Dubai it'll literally be like salads you can order and I'm just like how cool is that like not that I endorse like just eating salad but you know what I mean like how much easier would life be if you could get a takeaway with your friends and it's in line with like what you want to yeah and it's interesting because like other places in Europe they do have like a strong walking culture or a strong coffee culture where you go and you just meet friends for a coffee not for alcohol you know so it's just all these differences just being aware of them and how that influences your decisions like are you influenced is your health influenced by where you live obviously part of it is but just being aware of that has definitely helped me as well on my journey yeah I think as well like when it comes to like being on a journey I think what's more exciting sometimes is that you know when it's like managing PCOS versus just losing weight because I think that's more life changing and like obviously losing weight is still like amazing and it, it improves your confidence but I know if I was where I am was like 10 years ago and still having to like remove hair on my face and still feel really down and stuff like that like just the quality of my life is so different like now and it's just I think if anyone has got PCOS, like don't shy away, don't feel embarrassed that you've got it. Like speak to people about it. See, like just be aware that it's like linked with food and exercise and and it all just is linked with everything, isn't it? Yeah, I was just about to say, yeah, you make a really good point about prioritizing the management of your 
a polycystic ovaries um, above losing weight because before my priorities was like losing weight first over managing my polycystic ovaries. Whereas now I feel like I've actually switched it. I've actually feel like balancing my hormones is way more important and doing things like exercise and steps and eating, you know, high protein foods, it does kind of just help in the overall thing. And it, it makes it more like, like you say, a lifelong journey. And they kind of obviously go like hand in hand as well, don't they? So once the hormones get, get like balanced and managed, then the weight can come off a little bit faster and and things like that and with PCOS as well like because our metabolism is generally a bit slower just because of everything that's going on um I find like a lot of the time like the scale weight can just sometimes feel a bit more stubborn but body fat can can come away a lot faster so again it's just having that information so because otherwise the mind plays games right you keep stepping on the scales and you'll be like oh like what's going on someone will be like well how much weight have you lost you'll be like do you know what nothing and you're like actually I've lost a whole clothing size and it's like again like it's all marketed in a way to make us focus I find in a way to fail a lot of the time like it's it's hard isn't it yeah and like speaking of that like obviously we know that polycystic ovaries it has so many physical and emotional effects I was wondering like how do you deal with those effects you know it says it can increase things like anxiety and depression or how do you work with clients to address the emotional side of things for that so I think like one of the first things is always just being really open that you are feeling like that because again I think the moment we bury our head and we think it's not right to have these feelings that's when it's harder to like try and manage it Um, and I find with everyone it's really good to know what's triggering us to feel like that as well because sometimes it could just be we we don't know and that's that's fine but it's good just to be aware that could be something or it could be like the same trigger that keeps coming up and sometimes it could be that same voice that's going on in your head like maybe saying that you're not good enough or you're not worthy or you know why should I try or you know like it can sometimes be a bit of a negative voice so what I tend to find is like if it's something that you're really anxious about like try and break it down into what's triggering that anxiety and what from that like if you actually wrote it down and you were to circle what the main bit is then trying to work on that and then it's actually reframing that as well so a lot of the time it's again a mindset thing like phrasing it in a different way to make it work for us and sometimes what we may think is something a bit negative we can actually turn it into a strength and be like well actually I'm feeling anxious about this but I can do x y and z to help overcome it and then it's kind of managing it on that way Um, and even like breath work can really help just to kind of ground us and keep us present in that moment because a lot of the time I feel like our mind just gets us into trouble it can go on overdrive it can go on override Um, and I know I used to get actually really bad anxiety with like a lot of things so for me it was annoying because it would show I'd get like a really big red rash on my neck oh wow so sometimes at work if I was a bit anxious like about a certain patient coming in because like I don't know they weren't happy about something or they just weren't maybe a nice person but you have to just see who you've got to see and it would then just show and I'd be like oh I can't even like hide the fact that I'm feeling anxious like you can come across confident but it shows um and then it's again just being aware of that and then just working through it but knowing like you can't fix it overnight and sometimes you can't maybe even get rid of that anxiety but use that energy in a way to to manage it in a way that serves you yeah that's really good advice I think the channeling thing or like moving the energy like to use in a different format is really helpful because like you can say you're anxious or you could just say you're excited like I mean reframing it where it's can be reframed really helps 
yeah and also sometimes when I'm angry I can use that motivation to you know exercise more or just let out you know move your body it is really interesting how energy can be moved in like different ways yeah definitely exercise especially so that's one thing that I um so probably I don't know if I should say it even out loud but if if anyone knows that I've done like loads of cardio I've gone on a spin class or something it basically means I've either got a bit anxious or I've got really overwhelmed and that's my vent that's how I just get it out of my system and then after that then I'm fine like that's that's how I my coping mechanism yeah and I guess I wanted to touch more a bit more about yourself as well just more about your journey and like obviously from transitioning to from a dentist to a health coach how did your like family take that or I'm just curious <laughs> that definitely triggers some anxiety before that conversation because uh you, you kind of got to suss out like who to tell first right so as I said I've got like two sisters and obviously my parents and um it's always been a very like you work hard you don't play like you that that's how we were always brought up and I think I was just worried that like my parents would maybe be disappointed you know like you know putting me through private school sending me to like university but I think what I realize now looking back is I made out like an online coach wasn't a worthy career in their eyes which actually now they know what I do and how I change lives they're like super super proud of me but back then I was a bit like oh they're gonna think I've just like wasted their time or wasted their money and and to do this and I'm like I think I just didn't know what this was yet if that makes sense so I I started off actually working in a gym so I'd have to open the gym I'd teach classes I'd then go do dentistry and then I did like personal training clients after so I used to have like the longest oh wow that's yeah, it a was lot. intense but I thought if I want to do personal training and learn about the body and learn how people's mindset and thing is I've got to really throw myself out there and I've got to work with as many different types of people to learn about how to kind of overcome certain things I need to know how to train different bodies like what their biomechanics are like and stuff like that so I know a lot of online coaches no offense to them just kind of go online and they've never done anything in person but I feel like you really do need to know how the body moves if you're putting someone's workout together because it just doesn't make any sense um and then I don't think I even told anyone that I'd done like a personal training course in my family I think I just like was undercover about it and I was like okay let's just see what happens and then I think I like oh. applied to work in a gym or I must have said or I think one of my sister's friends or something said oh is, is Cheetah like working in a gym I saw her name she's teaching a class so my sister was like oh no she goes to classes but I don't think she teaches them and I was like oh god this secret's out because this is before I had anything on social media um as well so I wasn't very good at that side and then I was like okay so guys I've decided just to take a bit of a turn like I get quite stressed doing like five days of dentistry so I'll still keep my hand in it I'm still going to do a little bit but I'm actually going to prioritize this and in my head the way I thought it would have happened was like everyone would shout at me be like what you do have you gone crazy have some money because you're going to be broke or something like that and it was the nicest thing everyone was like we're so proud of you that you're doing something that makes you happy and they said as long as we know that you're passionate about it we know you're going to make it work because it was just like what will people think and I remember having to put my first um Instagram post out because obviously I had a personal account and then I made my separate account and I thought oh my God, now my friends are going to know, my extended family are going to know, like, what's everyone going to say? Is anyone going to like this post? You know, when it's like everything, like it was an overdrive. I think I got like six likes on that post. Um, But then when I fully said, again, becoming an online coach, kind of making that change, again, like the support was mental and I was just really blown away. But I think I was just really lucky that, I think maybe because everyone had seen my 
journey and like obviously if you knew me you would have known that I always used to go out and I'd eat loads of food and stuff like that and then you'd be like oh actually she's she's exercising she's doing something that's good for her she's eating good food like she looks different she looks seems happier so I think that was um what then spurred me to keep going because I think I would have actually not carried on if I didn't get the, the response that I needed and then I think what's been really key for me is just having like different mentors like people who have kind of been like my cheerleaders on the way just to be like keep going like look at how many lives you're able to change and knowing that other online coaches maybe don't have as much of an impact so my future goal is just everyone to feel like their best version of themselves and not feeling like controlled by hormones and just feeling free yeah so did you use online coaches in the past is that kind of what motivated you to become your own online coach yeah I know it sounds really awful to say but I thought they just had a really easy life because like just literally like I'd send I think I had like one check in a week over email and they took like four days to get back to me on it and all they'd be like is you've not hit your steps you've not eaten the food we told you to eat carry on and I'm like okay I'm like this is easy like but not in a way that I was like impressed by them but I was like surely there's someone better out there and I was literally paying like you know when you you research on Google like the people who were seen to be like the best so I was paying like oh god like over hundreds and hundreds a month then pairing it with like a personal trainer to really think okay if I've got an online coach and then if I've also got maybe a trainer who can push me I think at one point I was probably investing like seven eight hundred a month and not getting any results or any change that I needed and in my head I thought okay so what I really need is someone to keep on top of me like every single day because I know I'm gonna mess up on some days I need someone to get inside my head and to make me understand what I'm doing is either online like on path with my progress or not and I need help when it comes to like food knowing what exercises to do knowing actually am I pushing myself am I not so that's where I kind of saw there was a gap because I couldn't find anyone that that had it and then I thought I'm just going to really knuckle down I'm going to do as much work as I can to get as much information in this head um and then that's why I've done my coaching the way it is kind of thing and I still practice like dentistry so I still do like two days a week um I also like inspect dental practices just to help everyone be safe if that makes sense but um I absolutely love my life and I would never change it and I know a lot of people say oh my god you work like 12 14 16 hours a day and I'm like but I love it like I would never change it knowing that I'm able to help so many people yeah there's so many interesting points you've like raised there and (laughs) I think that for example like just when you're starting off with like you know downplaying the online coach aspect like saying it's not a proper career but then actually from moving into you know trying to balance both at the same time which I want to dive into that as well like how did you actually balance both at the same time because I feel like that can apply to a lot of people who have like a passion project on the side or want to move to a different career sometimes there is that element where you have to do both so how did you manage that and what was the reality of it I think you know just having that clear goal and vision of where you could get to that used to spur me like all the time so I'd know that if I had to wake up at like four like 4 30 I think I used to have to wake up to be able to like get to the gym and stuff I knew that the end outcome was going to be different and I needed to slog and put those hours in to then get to like where I want to be so I think it was just knowing that you do have to really graft and we always know if we focus on two things it's going to be slow it's not going to be as quickly as if you just ditch one and, and fully go for it but like financially that would have been like really risky to do also 
I think not having the confidence in myself initially to be like, is this actually where I want to go? Like, do I want to quit a job that I've been at for like six, seven years and I've got a stable list of patients? It was just um, kind of like all or nothing mindset, which I know I'm not for now when it comes to like food and stuff like that. But it was literally like, I've got to go for it and I'm going to prove to everyone that I can do it and I want to do it. It's not like it's a whim. I'm not doing it for money. I'm not doing it actually to have that lifestyle where I can just be abroad and then send something in the email and feel all right about myself. It was like, I want to work and do it to a, to a way that's to my standard. Yeah. And to prove who, cause you said you want to prove, but like prove who. I felt, I asked a good question. Yeah. So this is something I've been working with my, I've got like a mental performance coach. who always like, will flag me up on these things. Um, I think I never probably like believed in myself, but I used to think that no one else believed in me. And I'd kind of play a bit of the vic- victim card on, on that sense, being fully honest. So thinking, oh, I'm going to like prove them wrong, but it was really proving myself wrong. But the way I saw it was that no one would think that I would be able to do this kind of thing. Um, wow. And yeah, it was, which I know is always getting a bit deep because um, it's in my head. I know what that means that I still need to like work on a few bits on that side. But because yeah. um, I think sometimes we can be our own critic as well, can't we? So we think other people may be stopping us from doing something, but really it's it's us, isn't it? So it's just being aware of that. Yeah. But you've utilized that energy in a good way, like of, you know, wanting to prove to yourself, but look what you've done now. You've you've helped so many women in so many amazing transformational ways, helping them to get pregnant, to balance their life. So actually it's like an incredible drive and motivation yeah. and yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. I, I like love it. Like I know my husband's always like, oh my God, you get so excited to get into a laptop. And I'm like, yes, because I know like, like sometimes he'll be like talking, I'm like, oh yeah, by the way, I'm just like, just doing something and he'll be like did you hear me and I'm like oh my god um, so I'll say like these are my work hours <laughs> some days where he works from home and then I'll just be like no, I've just got to like keep my head down and then afterwards we schedule like our time together and things like that but it, I find if I wasn't structured with my routine I couldn't have done like the two things together because I think I would have fallen apart and a lot of the time people think you know oh I must be really tired I must be like really low on energy but I think because I was so passionate or I still am like I'm so passionate about my coaching that that gives me energy like that really fires me up and even like this week I've been like traveling around because when I inspect practices as well kind of get sent all over I've probably not had as much sleep as I could have had which is a bit hypocritical because I know I'm all about sleep but I know some some weeks kind of have to like not just to do what you want to do um you know I could have easily been at home ditching the no caffeine I'm just gonna have loads of coffee and like get wired up but I was like no because I get so like energized by like everyone that I work with that I don't need to do that which again sounds really cheesy sorry yeah (laughs) I love it and that's amazing it shows that you truly actually have a drive for it like you truly get that energy means it is something you're meant to do and then on that side as well I guess what is your top like productivity tips because it seems like you do so much I get you I bet you get asked this so much but yeah top three productivity tips hit me hit me yeah I'm gonna get go with them um so exercise actually I'll be honest is like massive just because of like the endorphin release we get after it so that massively helps productivity uh the other one which sounds like a bit of a cliche is actually having lots and lots of water because mentally it kind of helps us to be clear and also then the body is clear as well so if we have caffeine what it basically does a bit like sugar it will give us like a bit of a hit and then we go in a really bad slump so Ideally, if you can just keep getting lots of water, it basically re- 
hydrates your body and most of our body is made of water so like exercise and water like go without a doubt and when I say exercise I don't mean like slogging away for an hour in the gym it could even literally be like 30 or like 45 seconds of like star jumps on the spot and then you'd get like you'd get that buzz from just doing something to keep your body um active um and then the third productivity tip is just literally having a plan and a schedule and knowing it's never going to be perfect like you will overrun you may not tick everything off but you've just got that purpose of like what you're working towards and then and then actually reflecting back on it and thinking, okay, if that was my schedule last week, I said I was going to do X, Y, and Z, and I just did X and Y. Let me reflect back on it. See, was it because I had an energy slump? Was it because I didn't have enough time? Did I think I had more time than I thought? And then it's then always improving week on week on that schedule kind of thing. It never stays the same. Wow. I love how your first two are literally health related because I wouldn't associate exercise to productivity. Like, I mean, on my initial thoughts, and also water, like something so simple, but it does really help. Yeah. So those are really good. And I find that if you ever have like an energy slump in the day, before going for like the caffeine, try doing something like that uh, for like 30 to 45 seconds. Then let me know how you feel after it, as long as you feel good. <laughs> and then it'll be interesting to see. Because sometimes like our energy levels go down, then we start procrastinating, then we can get stuck scrolling on our phone. Before we know it, 15, 20 minutes have gone by. And actually we could have just done those two little things at the beginning. And then you would have just been able to crack on. With it. Yeah. And another thing that reminds me of it, like actually just breathing properly throughout your day yeah. helps your productivity. I think there's some breathing techniques. I remember I did this one sort of breath work technique just to get more oxygen into the body for about five minutes. And I felt so awake and alive. And I was like, yeah. you can just find those on YouTube, like, you know, breath work for just getting extra oxygen into your body. Yeah, because a lot of the time as well, like we're when we're like doing lots of work or things like that, or like you're not breathing properly in, in terms of like, it's not how it should be. And then also we can then get worked up about things. So it's just having that moment to be present again and then just having a little reset essentially as well and also listening to your body so if you are truly exhausted and truly tired have a bit of a power nap if you need to but then maybe reflect on actually was my sleep okay was what happened the day before and stuff like that so I think just really being aware of like literally everything that's really nice and I guess like before we end things there's like a few questions I still want to ask you just to get a bit more a bit more context about yourself like being South Asian I was wondering which part of South Asia are you from and just a bit more about your South Asian culture yep and um, so I'm Gujarati uh, so my grandparents I think actually not even them so my parents were actually born in Africa so were their parents but so it's more like African Indian culture so you know when like some words they use like Swahili and you think it's Gujarati and it's not oh. um and it was actually quite I think like being Gujarati because um, of like where we lived, I was probably at like, one of the only few like Asian people. And it was always actually really hard because you felt like you didn't belong or you didn't fit in. Um, and I remember like my mum would kind of do things to make us look fairer. So we'd fit in with like the community. So like she'd scrub us with like milk and things oh like God. that because they, I think how they were taught was if you've moved to because they obviously they came from Africa to England and then we were born here and I think it was like for you to integrate and you're living in England and you've chosen to live there you should integrate and look a certain way and act a certain way so it was a bit like living a bit of a double life I felt as a kid because I went to a school where I was probably the only Asian person in like my year and then 
then my parents wanted me to be very Asian. So on the weekends, I'd go to Gujarati class and learn to play the harmonium. And then you were living like a double life. It wasn't like, you couldn't say that you were doing that stuff when you went to school. And then you'd obviously eat Indian food. But then when you had friends over, then your mum would be like, oh, we always have pizza and pasta. And you were just like, but not in like a weird way, but I think it was just them for to make us not feel left out and not to feel different. Yeah. But yeah, I think it was quite tough because it, it's like a bit of an identity crisis I felt like at that age of being like not knowing like what other people who were like my age and who were Gujarati like what what they would have kind of gone through kind of thing as well so yeah and I think yeah. then having like PCOS and because I didn't have like many other Asian friends you just you just thought that you were like the odd anomaly that had this and like it, it was like you yeah, it was just really odd, I think, that you didn't know that actually a lot of Asian people have a lot of hair and stuff like that. And it was hard to, harder, I think, to come to terms with that all as well. So you just felt like, why me? Yeah. And like the double life thing, I, I feel like a lot of people can relate to that as well. So thanks for sharing that because it is probably more common than we realise. So then what advice would you give to someone who's like considering to break away from the conventional norms in their life? if they are South Asian or if they're not just in general? I think just having that confidence just to kind of own it. Um, but what I really love is actually seeing people are, are going against the grain a lot more. So like a lot of like my clients that I'll work with, it's just like really interesting. Like, you know how obviously before, like you'd get married and then you move in together and it's really actually refreshing. Like a lot of my clients will be living with their partner and then they get engaged and I'm like, oh, it's really cool because then you can actually get to know someone. So I think just have that, confidence and like again like family will always support you you'd like to hope and if not then you know maybe just make them understand why something's important to you but um just kind of go for it because I think if I stayed in that whole like South Asian stigma I would probably still be doing dentistry five days a week because I felt like I had to and stuff like that and it's it would be a very different person so I'd always encourage everyone to live their best life I think yeah, that's really great advice. And final question, I feel like you've broken a lot of boundaries in your life already and are doing such amazing work. But I'm wondering, so what's the next step? How are you going to continue breaking the boundary in your life now? I love that. Um, that's a good question. I feel like just because I'm already breaking quite a few boundaries just to keep going, just see how many, how many more can I break kind of thing. I just make things a lot more acceptable maybe as well. But yeah, just getting the word out there that obviously like times are, are changing. So again, like I know like when I was younger, like if you were on your period, you were classed as being like really dirty and you couldn't, you couldn't interact with everyone and things like that. Um, and I think now that's changing. So I'm, I just think because we live in England, we do have to obviously be aware of that and we can't still have a lot of the old cultural things because it just doesn't work so just being evolving with like the time and where where we live yeah well thank you so much for being on the podcast I really enjoyed this conversation with you and I feel like I picked your brain so much but I feel like everything's been so useful insightful and you always have such a positive energy about you and I hope, you know, this would help someone with, you know, who has polycystic ovaries if they are listening or just in general, just to be more informed about just health issues as a South Asian person. Yeah. So, yeah, thank, thank you, you so, so much. much and um, for people that want to get in touch with you, if you could share your socials, yeah. how can we find you? 
Yep. So on Instagram, it's train with cheetah, which I, I realize now was probably a really long winded handle to have. So it's train with and then cheetah is C-H-I-T-A. So yeah, definitely drop me a message if you've any questions about anything or if you can relate to anything that I've been through as well. It'd be awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. Amazing. Thank you. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Thank you all to everyone who's made it this far. I really appreciate your support and I really hope that this episode was helpful for you, especially if you have polycystic ovaries, because I know how isolating it can feel and how confusing that can feel. If you really enjoyed this podcast and you'd like to see more, please follow the podcast and rate it. It really helps the channel to grow. And if you know someone who has polycystic ovaries and could benefit from listening to this, please do pass it on and share it with them. And that's all from me. So stay blessed and see you in the next.